to Christ Church and may not know what family camp is. So sometimes when we get up here and we talk about things that we're familiar with, uh, it kind of goes right over the top of the heads of, of some. Uh, family camp is something that we as Christ Church, which is a multi-congregational association of churches, a network of churches, uh, have been uh, going up to Warm Beach Camp for 35 years. 35 years. So up near Stanwood, Camino Island area, there's just a great campground, a Christian campground. And uh, so we've been up there. My first family camp, I was three weeks old, says mom. And uh, so I've, I've been doing it for quite a while. We had a little siesta in there of a few years in between that. But this is a time where, it, it, you know, meetings are the small part of it. The, the time together is the bulk. And that is why we love it so much. We love to be together. And, you know, it's kind of like Sunday morning. We do what we can to try and make this a relational time as much as possible. But this really isn't the context for building relationship. It's times like this where you're sitting around the campfire late at night. You're talking. You're walking around to different places. Just, you know, oh, I've never met you before. Da, da, da. And you're going you're gonna to meet all kinds of new people. The kids go wild. They're riding bikes. I remember when 12 years old or so, just bike gangs, you know, like 30 bikes cruising through the camp and just making sure things are in order. And, uh, but it, it is, it is so much fun memories that will not go away for our children and for us as well. So if you can at all make it, do it, make it a priority every year to be there, you will not be disappointed. If you're looking for an opportunity to get grafted in, you know, sometimes in, in a church, we kind of feel sometimes like we're just kind of on the, the perimeter outside, this is a way to get grafted in because you just, you get to know people in that type of a context. So that is great. So again, we will not be here this coming Sunday. So a week from today, we will not be here. And then we'll be back again the following week. And there's great food. You can crash about any campground and just get some great food. Last week, something monumental, historical happened here at Christchurch North Shore. If you weren't here, I would encourage you, implore you to get the CD. Uh, we actually don't do that because we don't have CDs to give you. Listen to it online though. Listen to the podcast uh, on the website. But really take it to heart. And as I sat there and I listened to Pastor James Hammond, who started Christchurch Northgate on, these, on this same property in 1960 last week. That's what he said. That was the anniversary. That was the start date. It was the first week in August. They started Christchurch Northgate, or Faith Temple at that time, which would become Christchurch Northgate. Is that correct? And... He pastored that church for 30 years, and it grew to one of the largest churches in the Seattle area. And I grew up in that church, attended that church. 
And his years of ministry, as he has really grandfathered the Christ Church family, he came and he was able to share finally after months. As he told us, he spent over 30 days in the hospital. He's 83 years old now and 84 on Friday. It's past Friday. Praise God. He's still going. He's still here. He's still pouring into us, into the generations that are coming. And... As I sat there and listened, and then this week as I've been going over the things that he shared with us, he gave us four things. And he started in Genesis 26, where Isaac, who was becoming very prosperous at the time, his flocks were growing. I mean, this was, he was the money man. Everything he touched, he had the Midas touch, everything he touched turned to gold. And the Philistines, who would become one of the great enemies of the Jewish people, of God's people, and would represent for us spiritual enemies that we would face now in our lives as Christians as we look at God's Word. And the Philistines got very jealous of his prosperity. God was blessing him immensely. And so they did something. There was something that was so valuable in that day and age, and that was a well. A well that was dug by the servants of anyone who had some clout, had some importance, and they usually had servants with them. And they would have their servants dig these wells. And Abraham, who we know is the father of our faith, and he had dug wells for his family. And as a result, the prosperity of their family increased immensely. And Isaac reaped the benefits of this. He received an inheritance from his father in the form of these wells. It was gold. It was one of the most valuable commodities of that world at the time. When you're talking about 130 degree temperatures, in the Middle East, water, there was nothing like it. Didn't matter how much gold you had in your trailer, if you didn't have water, you weren't going to be around to enjoy that gold very long. And so the Philistines did something. A horrible act of warfare. What'd they do? Do you remember? What'd they do to the wells? They filled them in. And so Pastor Hammond is coming to us because he was saying that the next generation, which was Isaac, had to do something, and they had to do something, or it was going to be too late. It was, gonna, it was not going to go well for them in the future. There was no way they could sustain their crops and all that. And so what he did is that it says that he reopened, he redug the wells of his father. If you look there in Genesis 26, we're not going to go there necessarily right now. But over the years of his ministry, Pastor Hammond said there were four key wells that he said that we here 23, 24 years later need to redig in our personal lives. Absolutely, for sure. And that has to make sure that we keep those wells open on a daily basis. And we'll talk about that more. That has to be done. We've got to make sure we maintain those wells. You don't just dig a well and then expect that it's going to be open 10 years later. But there's also the corporate side of things. As a people, as a church, we have the opportunity to redig the wells of the past. Those things as an inheritance. 
If you knew that you were going to be the recipient of an inheritance of millions and millions of dollars, you'd dig anything to try and make sure you get that, wouldn't you? And as we know in the Spirit and in God, these things that we're talking about, that we're going to talk about today, one in particular, is far more valuable than any gold we could have. So the four things that He gave to us as wells of inheritance for us were faith and expectation, one, relationships, the cross, and discipleship. As I considered these things this week, there's no way we can just pass on and say, wasn't that a neato sermon? So we're going to take time. Today we're going to dig, redig this well of faith and expectation. Now here's where I need to let you know where we're going. At the end of our time today, we're going to take too long, but at the end of our time today, we're going to collectively together, we're going to redig this well of faith and expectation. And the thing that's cool about it is that it's going to require faith in order to be able to do that. Because we weren't around, many of us, back in the 60s when they first started. We weren't there to, re- to receive it. But we are going to redig as if the well is right there in front of us. Which it is, but it's in the Spirit. And it has to do with those things that are unseen. That we receive by faith and we can't get it any other way. So we're going to collectively do that. We're going to do that through prayer. We're going to stand together at the end. And so I'm just posturing you to let you know where we're going. And Holy Spirit, the only way we're going to get there is with you. And we just declare collectively as a people that we just are completely dependent upon you to be able to go there where we need to go. We must have this inheritance. So this act of warfare that the Philistines brought was a serious, one of the most serious crimes in the land. So this water source that was so valuable... And a person who dug a well, commentators tell us that, that they were staking a claim to the land. Some people like to put up borders around you know, a, their certain area, put up fences and stuff. Back in that day, you, you put a well there and then that was a claim on that territory. So by redigging the well, we are redigging that claim on the land that has come before long before years past. What kind of faith are we talking about? Well, for most people here, if you are uh, a, you consider yourself a Christian and, and you Jesus is Lord of your life, you've asked Christ in your heart and, and you've received the forgiveness of sins, then we're talking about a little bit different faith. So we're not talking about justification faith. Justification faith, as the Bible tells us, is a faith that allows us to become born again. In a moment, in an instant, we receive by the Holy Spirit the life in our spirit, of Jesus and we are alive in the spirit because the Bible says that our our spirits are actually dead prior to Christ coming into our life our spirits are dead we we can't receive spiritual things that's why for some maybe you've you've heard maybe the teaching of the Bible you've you've heard uh, different people maybe you flipped on the television and some of it's just so whack nobody would understand it but some of it that's legit maybe you still didn't understand it 
And uh, it's because those spiritual things can only be interpreted or understood as your spirit is alive and the Holy Spirit's the only one who does that. We don't have time to go into all that. But so we're not talking about a born again, being saved faith. We're talking about a living, ongoing faith. So once we're saved, once we're born again, then what's called not justification, but a sanctifying faith. Sanctification, that's from that point of being born again, then Holy Spirit is working in our lives to make us just like Jesus, our Lord and Savior. What a hookup. It's not about us doing it. It's about Him doing it through us. So, we're talking about a day in and day out faith. That's what we're redigging. We're referring to this faith that believes and obeys God regardless of the cost. That believes and obeys God regardless of the cost. We don't like that last part. That price tag part, that's, that's where it gets a little sticky. But hang in there. Hebrews 10 says, The just, those who have been justified or saved, shall live by, by faith. The just shall live by faith. So we're talking about an ongoing. What happens after we're born again? And then in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, We live by believing and not by seeing. That is rough. Everybody close your eyes. Now, can you imagine if we said, okay, everybody get up and now walk to your car. Keep your eyes closed. That would be difficult. I mean, literally, that's what we're talking about. We're, that's what the, the, the apostle is talking about. He's saying, Paul's saying, you guys, we've, we've got to live as if we're seeing into this spirit realm, which is more real than the realm that we see right here with our own eyes. And that is tough because we're, we're much more naturalistic and humanistic than we really want to think or, or you know, admit. So much of our life is filled with looking at ourselves in the mirror and um, making and evaluating life according to what we see and how body language. We're always looking. We're always seeing. We're always using these senses. And God wants us to do that. What he's trying to help us see through his word is that there's a higher level of seeing. There's a higher level of living. This is living faith. It's the day in, day out. It's the thing that's the faith that holds us when nothing else will. I'm looking around here at some people who have some... They've, they've had to tap into uh, a well in the Holy Spirit. That We're talking about faith with, with moxie. It's, it's the true grit faith. I'm sorry, so many times I want, I want to apologize to people for this plasticky, shine everybody on type of Christianity that's pumped through the airwaves and, and all that sometimes where it's just like, oh yeah, living the Christian life is no big deal. Somebody talk to Jewel Summers about that. Years of going through chemotherapy and, and uh, different treatment for cancer and 
you know, mom being right there, you know, with her a lot of times and all the different stuff that goes along with it. And it wasn't just Jewel because it was Rod who had to go through that. Man, years, Michael Walker. Been working through this stuff with with the hip and we go down the line to Linda Walker. What the Walker family has been going through, come on, in faith, this true grit down to the depths of like, if I'm not going to make it, Holy Spirit, unless you come through for me, not just today, but this instant, it's over. I'm done. And we could go on, right? We could just, everybody could stand and testify about what God has done through them, to bring them through with faith. Some were very, very familiar to us. Hebrews 11. Why do we admire people in this, what is known as the hall of faith? Why do we admire these people? Because we look at their lives and we read their stories and we just go, how, how in the world did that happen? How is that even possible that God could accomplish that through them? Because we all look at our own shortcomings and failings. But here's the, the encouraging, amazing thing. It wasn't them who did it. It was Holy Spirit who did it through them. And that's what gives us faith because we look at their stories, we read their stories and their testimonies. We think, okay, if, if he used these screw-ups, he can definitely... Well, maybe he could use me. I'm going to read through this quickly in chapter 10, verse 31. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Don't ever forget those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule, you were beaten, sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. You suffered right along with those who were going through cancer, who were going through various painful surgeries. Rod, (laughs) Ember's not here today because it's a rough day. going through it. When all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew you had better things waiting for you in eternity. Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord no matter what happens. It's a no matter what happens faith. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so you will continue to do God's will. It's the end goal to keep us on the path. It's not even about this like super serious. I mean, you look at the scriptures. Some people are barely making it over the finish line. And Jesus is like, hey, those who endure to the end. Hey, that's some days right there. Verse 39, but we will be not we will not be like those who turn their backs on God and seal their fate. We have faith that assures our salvation. So what is faith? Verse 1 of chapter 11. 
It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. Even when we can't see it. Even when we don't understand. My dad used to always tell me, he, when I was in college, I was going through some tough stuff. And, uh, you know, it's always tough at the moment. Your perspective changes as to what tough is and isn't. Some of the gray hairs around here can tell us young bucks uh, a little bit about tough. But, uh, and I remember him writing to me, he would write me these epistles. And uh, they were these long letters that he would handwrite back when they hand wrote still. <laughs> and I just remember this one section down at the end of this page, the bottom of the page. And he said, Eric, you've got to learn to live with questions. You have to be able to learn to live with questions. When you don't understand, when you don't get it, when it makes no sense at all, that's where you've got to learn to live, right there. That's where so many people give up and bail. It's the evidence of things we cannot yet see. God gave His approval to people in days of old because of their faith. He gives the example, he says, verse 3, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Okay? You weren't there when He did that. You just read, we just read the story, don't we? But we believe. Now let's get really real. In the same way that an evolutionist believes, we believe. You understand what I'm talking about? Kajillions of years. Slime plus time equals where we're at today. That's an evolutionist perspective. God created intelligent design. Created There was an intelligent designer behind all the incredible design we have. Both require faith. Personally, I think it, they employ far greater faith to believe what they believe. However, but you know what? That's faith. But we weren't there when it happened. So we have to tap into something that we believe in terms of the writers of the Scriptures who believed by faith as well what God was speaking to them. Here's one of the, the wells we've got to redig: Faith for doing stupid stuff. I wish you could see the looks on your faces right now. <laughs> Are we willing to do things that seem crazy or that which we perceive to be stupid? God directed people, His people, to do a lot of stuff. And because we heard it in Sunday school class all our lives, we just gloss over and we're like, yeah, no big deal. That totally happened. Now, I'm not saying we don't believe it. But we don't really get in there and look at, are you kidding me right now? Seriously? You want me to do what? Noah hears a voice in his head to build a boat. It had never rained before. It never rained. I don't even know if they had lakes. I'm sure they had lakes and rivers and all that kind of stuff, but... You want me to build a what? And you're going to do what to the whole world? 
I mean, and you're going to save just my family and we're, and you want, yeah. Where am I going to get all these animals? You guys, this is, this is stupid stuff. Abraham, faith for the generations. She's barren. Not able to have children. Verse 16 of chapter 11. I love this. Verse 16. But they were looking for a better place. A heavenly homeland. That is why God. I love that. I love it when he talks about how God sees us. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. You get this like, they believed me. I infused them with my Holy Spirit and they believed me. And they did it. They were, their life was a complete disaster. And I came in and I filled them with my life. They believed me and they did it. And as a result, many, many were saved, healed, touched. That's why God's not ashamed to be their God, for He has prepared a heavenly city for them. Okay, verse 17 of chapter 11. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Got to be willing to do stupid stuff. Really stupid. Crazy. Way out there. You start, start reading through some of these accounts and there is no box that you can put God in. So let's set the stage. Isaac is born to Abraham. I, Abraham's the father of our faith. And, and, uh, and, and so God says to him, I want you to take your son. I want you to march three days to this mountain. And I want you to sacrifice the very son that I promised you would be how I would bring about the generations that are going to be as numerous as stars in the sky and the sands by the sea. Could you repeat that, God? I'm not sure I quite understood that. I'm pausing. I'm just, have you taken time to read that story really slow before? <laughs> have you ever? I, I can't even get... My, I can't even get into that story enough to consider literally sacrificing my child. Because he goes on here to say, and he says, Abraham assumed that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. There are no accounts of anyone ever being raised from the dead at that time. We're in Genesis. I know we're, we're, we're remembering the account in Hebrews, but that story was in Genesis. There's no raising of the dead. Nobody had come alive again. But he believed that that would happen. He was willing to go through with it because of what God told him. It doesn't necessarily say he heard an audible voice either. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Jump ahead to verse 32. Well, 
how much more do I need to say? (laughs) It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. But others trusted God and were tortured, preferring to die rather than to turn from God and be free. They placed their hope in the resurrection to a better life. Some were mocked. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. This gets rated R here. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats, hungry and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. They wandered over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And all of these people we have mentioned received God's approval because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had far better things in mind for us. All the us, raise your hand please. God had far greater things in mind for us that would also benefit them. For they can't receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the race. So our faith is being added to those who have gone before us. You see, we have to accomplish by the help of the Holy Spirit. That's what God has called us to. Otherwise, their race doesn't get finished when it comes to the end of the line. I have no doubt that Holy Spirit is going to do that through us. But I'm trying to give us vision for this is what Holy Spirit's going to do. There's none of us who were left out of this picture. Faith in the face of offense. You know, you read just some of the Gospels and different things. and Then you go into Acts and uh, these different accounts of the followers of Jesus. And you just realize that Jesus is giving His followers, including us, every opportunity to be offended by Him. To be let down, to be disappointed by things that we think or believe that He should do or should have done on our behalf. Guys, it's time to redig wells of faith. Because some wells... In your, in your own life, have been filled in with disappointment. As an act of warfare, spiritual warfare, you know what I, was, I mentioned Jewel earlier, she had every opportunity and God gave her many chances to be offended at Him for what He allowed her to go through. on Linda, right? Plenty of opportunities. And we've all had those opportunities. Things didn't work out. We really had our hearts set on them. We claim promises, even ones in the Word of God that are true. But He didn't come through. By faith, it's time to redig wells of faith. Faith. 
Faith is always forged in the fire of disappointment and trial. A year ago yesterday was my dad's memorial. For two years we prayed. Prayed. And you prayed. I remember at different times with large groups of people staying up all night long. All night long. Worshiping. Praying. Interceding. God, heal him. God, we believe it's your will. July 26 at 11 a.m., my dad breathed his last breath. You know, a little bit later when everybody cleared the room, I laid hands on him. I pray that God would raise him from the dead. I was not going to miss that opportunity. But you know what? God didn't come through the way I thought he was going to. And that hurt. So I had to dig a well right there. And I've continued to dig. Well. I'm not sharing this to get some sort of emotional response. I just wanted to tell you that the things that I'm sharing with you, they're not cheap. They come at a price. And the faith that you're going to receive in Jesus is going to come at a price in your life. I look around at some of you young people. Some of you haven't lived, you know, quite as long. You haven't had as many opportunities for your faith to be tested. To have living faith. Some of you at very, very young age had opportunities to dig a well. God wants to produce perseverance and endurance in us. There was this there was this church in the Roman Empire back in the day, biblical times, called Thessalonica. And Paul's writing to them in the second, his second letter to them, and he says, we proudly, in chapter 1, verse 4, he says, we proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faith in all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. This word faith in here, when you get into the Greek, it's... Um, Rick Renner talks about it's a force that is forward-directed and aggressive. Never passive or backward-reaching, but always reaching forward to obtain or achieve a specific goal or target. This is the picture that I get of, of faith. And 
Anybody who's listening to this, and I, you know, it's this reaching forward, leaning, leaning into God. You know, I was with Jaron, and uh, he was he faced some disappointment yesterday. He asked a question, I said no, and didn't get the right response, and so we had some come to Jesus time, and and uh, so we're there and we're talking. I'm sharing with him afterward, you know, and so I said, Jaron, listen. When you ask daddy questions, you, you, you've got to, you're not leaning into dad. In other words, that you've got to lean into God so that based, if, if dad gives you a no, then you're leaning into God for, okay, yes, dad, yes, dad, because you're, you're responding to the Lord in that situation. I know it could be disappointing for you, son, but you've got to, you've got to lean into God. You've got to reach forward. So as I'm studying this, I'm getting, you know, I'm starting to get revelation and teaching my son in the closet, you know, about faith, reaching for the Lord in the midst of difficult times. But that's the picture. Paul was identifying real faith, something you've got to grab a hold of by the Holy Spirit and not let go. They were facing what he says here, persecution, endurance for the persecution and hardships that you're suffering. Now, this was a serious thing. I want you to listen to what this means in the Greek. This word persecution, it denotes actions of a hunter seeking to capture and kill these people. They were be, these are Christians that were being hunted down and killed for their faith in Christ. And he is saying, you guys, you guys have dug into some real faith. And we're proud of you. And not only that, but the faith that you're exhibiting, it's such an encouragement because we're able to take your faith, your story about what you're going through, and the other churches, man, they're encouraged. Because we know that this is not just going to affect Thessalonica. It's also going to hit these other areas. Their problems were not normal. This, um, this word, persecutions, it has the idea of, have, of a heavy pressure situation. Anybody be able to identify heavy pressure? Listen to this. One scholar says... It was originally used to describe the specific act of tying a victim with a rope, laying him on his back, and then placing a huge boulder on top of him until his body was crushed. Wow. Obviously, Paul is trying to encourage us. This is meant to be able to encourage us when we're facing seemingly unbearable intolerable, impossible situations apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. But just like the Thessalonians, we're called to remember to walk in faith and to believe God and trust Him for the victory. So how do we redig these wells? And this is where the we comes in right now. In the spirit, we are going to stake a claim to our spiritual inheritance. Some of you, you may walked in the door the first time today. I want you to know there's a reason why you're here. There's an spiritual inheritance that you were not looking for. But we're going to trust that we're going to believe God for it today. Some of you were around from the very beginning. 
That inheritance is ours and we've got to fight for it. We've got to dig for it. These wells represent the promises of God to Christ Church North Shore, to us as followers of Jesus. Some of us, just like the wells that were, were filled in, we've had our belief in God stolen from us through unbelief, doubt, disappointment. We're going to take it back. We're going to take it back. And we're going to take it back. And we're going to continue to take it back from this day forward. We're going to lay claim to it today. It says in verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells that his father has dug, which the Philistines had filled in. Sometimes it's happened not because of anything intentional. Sometimes it's just happened through neglect. Our wells of faith get filled in. We just, we don't maintain them. We don't continue through prayer and just saying, I will believe God. Through your help, Holy Spirit, I will believe you. No matter what. I want us to make sure, once you stand up with me, I want to make sure that we understand we have faith because He is faithful. He is the object and He's the source of our faith. This is not something we're trying to, you know, stir up and, you know, everybody's going to get lathered up and just, you know, rah! That's not what this is about. You could scream and holler and miss the whole thing completely. So I want us to pray together. I want us to reach across the aisles. I want you to come together. I want you to grab hands with somebody next to you. And we're going to pray collectively. We're going to believe collectively. Literally, Jesus said, all you need is the faith of a little tiny seed. That small. To be able to do the things that He's called us to do. Well, Father, we stand here in faith, by faith, and we're asking You for Your faith. We're not trying to muster up our own faith. We're asking You for Your faith. That the inheritance that You have given to those who have gone before us, we're believing what we can't see. We're apprehending the Spirit some things we don't even know. But by faith and in faith, through the help of the Holy Spirit, we declare a redigging, a reopening of the wells that were dug on this ground in, in the North Seattle area. The moves of the Spirit. The way that you came, you moved through across denominational boundaries. Lord, I remember that story you were telling me that dad was telling me in the hot, when we were in the hospital. And he was talking about the Catholic church there over on the other side of the freeway. Then Holy Spirit, you began to move and people were baptized and filled in the Holy Spirit. Young people came from all around the region 
across the state of Washington to come and experience the well that was dug in the basement of that church building, that parish. And we say, God, would you come and do that again? We're saying, we believe, but heal our unbelief. Let us stand and move forward. We just lean into you right now. We lean into you. We lean into you in the Spirit. We believe you in spite of disappointment, discouragement, doubt. We believe you in the face of the storm. That you're going to produce perseverance and endurance. Lord, we believe you're not only doing this here at North Shore, but you're doing this in Christ Church United. That this is something you're going to infuse us with going into family camp and going into this coming year. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. I want you to lift your hands right now. Just, just, just an act of faith. And we just say, we receive your faith, Jesus. Jesus, we receive your faith. Come on, just say that. We receive your faith. To believe you, we're not straining, we're not striving or anything. We're, maybe we're just laughing. We're just, God, we know you're going to call us to do some stupid stuff. Stuff that's so outside of the box. And we say, we're ready. Come on, just tell them you're ready. I'm ready for stupid stuff. I'm ready for crazy stuff. If, if that's what you want to call me to do, then I want to do that. May us as a people, Christchurch North Shore, Christchurch Kirkland, Christchurch Monroe, and the greater body of Christ in this region, fill us with your faith. Fill us with your faith. Just let a fresh wind of your faith come again as these wells are reopened. We stake a claim to this ground of the North Shore region. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 So be it. So be it. Let it be through us, in us. Now, as you go, we're going to dismiss right now, but as you go, please don't forget this. Particularly, I believe it's important this week. This week at family camp, that this kind of stuff is happening in the, around the fires. Amen. That it's happening for those of, who are not able to go to family camp. It's happening in your home. That you redig this well of faith all week long. Come on, all week long. And we're going to be reminded all month as we go through these, and we're going to redig these wells together. And at the end of each time, we're going to spend time just praying and just releasing that over us. Amen. Amen. Faith was the first one. It's so important. Uh, have an amazing week. Believe God. Amen.